Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I discuss Drawn and Quarterly, 25 years of contemporary cartooning, comics, and graphic novels, unpack the huge DC Universe sale at Comixology running this month, wring our hands over the Secret Wars delays by Marvel, and still find time to discuss Bizarro, Providence, Justice League, Star Wars, The Humans, and oh-so-very-much-more. Show notes, not coke floats or crow throats, are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan. Oh my god, it worked. Thank god. For some strange reason, uh, it rang not on the headset. Ooh, oh, I hate when that happens. And I was like, wait, if I answer this, is this not going to work? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it worked. Hey, hello. Hello. My goodness. So glad to hear that you're, like, alive and with us and viable. I am, I am definitely alive and with us. <laughs> viable? Only the next couple of hours are really going to reveal that. Really? Really? Who, who can tell? It, well, as... As you know, because I emailed you yesterday, it's been a hell of a week in yes. McDillon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, first of all, I'm sorry, wait, what, uh, listeners, whatnots, if you will, uh, who have been waiting for me to have a written post up this week. Uh, it's not happened because it's been a hell of a week at McMillan Manors, which I think is now officially what I'm going to call this house. You have uh, to. Yeah. Okay. And Kale be like, I don't, I don't think so. Um... Too bad, Kate. You're outvoted. I also vote for it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's. I am I am unsure about my viability. However, this week also, I've read a shit ton of good comics. Oh, that's great. So so maybe I will be viable. That's we'll ki- see. Kind of like me last week. Uh, I I sort of man time. All of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> I had to like hustle to get the get the comics that I did read read today. I don't know. It's just. You never seem to have this problem, and I'm always curious. Graham McMillan, you are the hardest working person I know, and yet you always manage, as far as I can tell, to keep up on your comic book reading. When do you do it? How do you do it? Listeners, Jeff, uh, I'm going to let you into a secret here. I'm always busy. <laughs> Just like the Hulk, except replace angry with busy. Uh, I... I read in the evening. I see. Uh, I read um, fairly continuously, actually, mm-hmm. like in the evening. When, when I finish work, reading is generally how I decompress. Oh, nice. Uh, reading, or, reading or doing the dishes, uh, oddly enough. I see. I see. Um, so, yeah, I, I, read, I read in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and Kate don't watch TV together or like well, shows or things? Yeah. Or? No, we do, mm-hmm. but I'm normally reading during that as well. Oh, multitasking. Uh, and I read before I sleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I read for about half an hour before I sleep. Uh, and I read in weekends, so I, I just, I read a lot, I guess. That's nice, I just am not doing enough. I'm just not doing enough reading, Graham McMillan. Not enough reading! I was, I was actually going to recommend a book to you. Oh, yeah? A, a prose book, not even a comic book. Oh, man. Um, I'm reading a book called Overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. 
uh, by I'm going to have to look up the the title because I always forget the the full title and also the author's name. So therefore, it, to make it really really difficult, um, it the full title is Overwhelmed to Work and Play When No One Has the Time mm-hmm. uh, by Bridget Schult of the Washington Post, and it is exactly what the title says. It is an investigation into the fact that uh, everyone feels like they're always working, mm-hmm. like they're always busy, mm-hmm. like they can never complete the tasks that they have ahead of them. Mm-hmm. That if the, the tasks they do complete are not done to the best of their ability because there's always something more to do mm-hmm. and that we don't have enough leisure time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so it's, it's all about that. Uh, and it's also... It, it sort of branches off into a lot of um, investigations into how that impacts genders differently and different uh, expectations for gender. Hmm. Um, and also, there's a lot about parenting in there as well. Mm. That's uh, because sense. parents have even more to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it starts from her personal experience. She's a mother, a uh, full-time reporter for the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. And someone who just believes that she cannot get everything done. Right. And she interacts with uh, a man who studies time management who tells her fairly bluntly, you're doing it all wrong. I bet you any money you have at least 30 hours of leisure time in your week wow. that you're not aware of. Hmm. Uh, and that is the starting point. <laughs> and it is, it's a fascinating book. It will make you think about a lot of things. Uh, in a new way, especially your time management. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I found, I, I picked it up last weekend because, and I can't remember if, if we talked about this when we finished recording the last podcast or not, but I felt especially overwhelmed last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I finished the week just feeling flattened mm-hmm. by the week, by everything that had happened. I felt that I had uh, let down particular people uh, that I work for. Oh, wow. Uh I felt that, it, yeah, I mean, really, like, I felt very, very bad. Hmm. Um, and I was just like, you know, I, I've got to put this behind me because if I just, if I don't get over this, this is just going to ruin my weekend or my next week. Like, I felt terrible. Mm. Uh, and I was in the library and that book was there and I was like, well, that seems like a sign. Right. I, I should read this. I should pick this up and, and see what it says. And sure enough, like, I do feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, in large part because you very quickly realize that it's not just you. Yeah, that's a huge one right there. You know, that mm-hmm. you're like, oh, everyone feels like this. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has some suggestions for time management as well in there uh, that are not amazingly helpful, but at least get you thinking about, or at least got me thinking about how I manage time. Mm-hmm. And things I could do better. Uh, so I, I found it a, a very helpful book. I found it a very, very entertaining as well and helpful book. Hmm. And I, I, I want to say not so much the first section, but definitely the second section when they're talking about being overwhelmed and trying to do everything. And uh, a lot of it is, do we uh, make comparisons between what we're doing and what others are doing and do we find ourselves wanting? Mm-hmm. I was like, Jeff should read this book. Yeah, I really should, actually. I think, yeah. I think this book would, would do a lot for Jeff. And also for the whatnots as well. If yes. any of you feel this as well, feel that you are working too hard uh, and have no time to yourselves, mm-hmm. 
uh, it's a very interesting book, and it's something I would highly recommend. Well, I, I like I said, I will be on it, so uh, perhaps we can discuss it on a on a future episode. I mean, I could sit down and tell you I've got a really good sense of the things that I've done over the last three or four days, but I also, I don't know, things are just sort of set up in these weird Lego blocks. Like, I had this, <laughs> I had this moment at, like, I was, like, running errands, uh, yesterday and, and actually got caught in traffic on the way to the comic book store. And I kind of realized like just that 30 minutes of extra bullshit on the road was like, Oh, okay. So this means I won't be able to see Mad Max until next week, you know, which on, which on the one hand, Hey, I'm still going to be able to see Mad Max. I'm sure. But it was also just that weird thing of like, what is up with my life that I'm not you know, that, that it's going to be like, I'm kind of like, oh, well, because of this extra 30 minute thing, this means I have to knock a two hour window, you know, back a week. Um, and the thing that's rough for me also is that I, I'm, I am not a very spontaneous person. I actually really like sort of having a loose schedule and having things fit in. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. People call me and are like, hey, let's get together. Like, right now, I'm outside your door, and I've got a gun, and I'm always weirdly stressed out by that. Whereas yeah, that, that's very true. We had that happen this weekend. Oh, yeah? That um, people just drop by. Mm-hmm. And we, it was one of those, like, vague, yeah, we'll just drop by. And we were like, okay. And then they drop by. And I, I did have that moment of, oh, God. <laughs> they just dropped by. Like, I had warning they were going to do that, Jeff. <laughs> and I still had that, like, weird anxiety of, <gasps> yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, so it's kind of weird because, like, part of me really should sort of try and make the make – the, most of that, I guess that, you know, cause I do feel like spontaneity is, um, is very helpful in a way for sort of jamming things in kind of around the cracks. You know what I mean? Otherwise it's just kind of, for me, it's kind of like block a time, block a time, block a time, you know? And, and also I have this unfortunate, you know, on the one hand, I'm very excited to be, you know, writing on a larger project again, but on the other hand, it's because because um, my muse, put as many air quotes around that as you want, tends to really flip me the finger whenever I try and, like, any kind of organizational factor thing. It's just really a lot of, like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, like, right now, it's literally me being like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to work for an hour. You know, or I'm going to sit down and I'm going to work for two hours. And however much or however little I do, if I'm going to just fuck away that time, then then that's going to be on me. And I'm going to get up and, and walk away. And eventually, at some point, I'll feel so terrible over that. I'll stop, kind of. Because <laughs> the alternate is is that it, otherwise it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm finally hitting my groove. And like three and a half hours have passed and... Barely anything's been done, and it's just... Well, that, that's, that's very much what my last week felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last week felt like, you know, I have deadlines, and I have daily deadlines, and I have to get shit done. Um, and it just was not happening. Was not. And so it would be three hours, and I'd be like, this is, you know, this is at most an hour's worth of work. And that would then just turn into a feedback loop. Where right. instead of working, I'd feel so self-conscious about taking so long to do it. And this week has been entirely different. Well, that's um, 
in, in large part because there have been other things happening that have utterly decimated my schedule. Mm-hmm. And it, I've not, I've not had the ability to go to feel bad about how slowly I was working. Yeah, see, you know I mean, I mean that, literally, that, that's kind of like, terrifying to me. Your whole like, oh, but then I, it's been better this week because I've had no, but, no time but, for really, pity, no time for reflection. But, but, but genuinely, that is been this really strange thing. Mm-hmm. So, to give you an idea of it, Tuesday and Wednesday, I only worked half days, mm-hmm. but I did a full day of work in those half days. Because A, I didn't have a choice. Right. And B, I didn't have any control over my schedule. Wow. Like, I had to walk away when I had to walk away because it was circumstances outside of my control. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But I also had these other things to do. Mm. And it really was just like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to get it done. Right. Right. And as a result, I've been like, look at me. <laughs> I It's this weird thing. I've proven to myself once again. That I can work at an inhuman rate. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And there is that unfortunate thing of like, and I feel great about myself. You exactly. Know? Mm-hmm. I feel great. Yeah. I have, you know, I had the hot takes when the hot takes were needed, Jeff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which is nuts. Is right. nuts. But but that's, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, so, um, yes. So in many ways, this sounds like a podcast from a terrifying dystopian future, uh, in a way. (laughs) Okay. But let's jump out of that dystopian future and talk about dystopian present, shall we? Yes, let's. Do you know what I got in the mail, uh, this week? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Drawn in quarterly 25 years of contemporary cartoon. Holy shit. They sent that motherfucking thing to you? That thing's like, ah. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. that thing is like seven hundred odd pages. Yes, yes, it is enough to. For example, if it fell, off, I'm not. This didn't happen. It sounds like I'm about to say something that happened that is terrible. Uh, but if it fell off a table, it would injure one of my dogs because it's that heavy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big ass heavy book. Um, I was, I admit, very suspicious of this book, in large part because I had heard from. People who do not work in dark, uh, dark quarterly, mm-hmm. uh, but do work in the comics industry, and who knew about the book when it was being worked on a while back, mm-hmm. um, and were saying to me, pretty much, "This is like this is an insane vanity project. Mm-hmm. This this is is terrible. It's it's very much uh, look at how great we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, attempts to rewrite history." It and kind of reminds me of that uh, that Fanographics book, you know, that Tom Spurgeon wrote, the We Told You We Were, you know, We Told You So, or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, the one that never came out. That never came out, exactly. Which exactly. I still wish I could read. Oh, no. um, so I was very, very suspicious. Of yes, yeah. So I got it in the mail, and there was this moment of, ugh. You know, 700 pages of Tron and Quarterly blowing themselves. Oh, God. Uh, and that <laughs> went in like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in large part because there is a lot of new material in here. There's a ton of like, new material in there, yeah. Like Zanga. Mm-hmm. Zanga. Wow. In a hilarious Glenganji strip. Really? I mean, the funniest he's been with Glenganji's. In fucking forever. Uh, uh, because it's Glenn Ganges as a cartoonist 
who learned Photoshop and realized that with Photoshop, he could correct every character's hair that he'd ever drawn. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets very obsessed with the hair of everything and retouching the hair of all of these comics. Wow. Uh, there's New Cape Beaton. There's, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it, uh, there's, there's a lot an- of Tom- Tom Adrian Tomine as a Adrian. superhero story. Uh, no, I, th- I, I want to say that Adrian Tomine is a reprint. Uh, oh, really? He, d- he definitely contributes. Um, Shit, did I, was that from the issue of Optic Nerve that I didn't read? Hmm. Okay. Maybe. Uh, he definitely contributes uh, uh, an appreciation of uh, a manga artist whose name is utterly gone. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, there's, there's new work from Guy Delisle. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there's all this ama- just amazing comics mm-hmm. in there. It, it, even you know, even if and this is pretty much the case, the 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 written text is is incredibly egotistical mm-hmm. and is very much like. And then we created the greatest comic ever. People said we were crazy, but we did it. And then we went on <laughs> to create. An even greater comic. People couldn't believe. They said it couldn't be done, and then we did it. Then we and like it's it's, it's a lot of you know a lot of that, and it's things like you know Peggy Burns worked at DC, but she didn't really want to work at DC. She wants to work doing good comics, and then she came to Drawn and Quarterly, and she made good comics. You know, there's a lot of that in there, um, but the comics themselves are utterly irresistible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's it's a it's a big book. It's mm-hmm. an expensive book. <laughs> it's like fifty dollars, um, but it's astounding. Yeah, astounding. Well, I was looking at it. I totally admit at, at the store, and I was like, "Ah," oh, because I don't. I think I think because uh, you know, Jog talked about it. You know, a little yeah, bit. He's, he's got something in it. He's got something in it. Yeah. So he's like, "Interest of full disclosure." He makes a point to talk about another section of the book. You know, not what he he did, and and I was like, God damn it, it looks pretty good. And of course, when you look, and it's like new comics from these guys, from these people that I really um, deeply respect and admire, and also enjoy reading. It was like, ah, yes. uh, it's tough, but it's just no, no, no. it's it, it's 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 kind of fascinating because there's so much stuff in there mm-hmm. that there's a lot of stuff that you just won't like. Do you know what I mean like right. no one can like all of this material? Of course, of because course. there is such variety. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that you will dislike some of it, but some of it might just leave you cold. Yeah. Um, but there is so much just amazingly good work in there mm-hmm. that it. I I kind of have to say it, it's. I think it's worth the cost. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's worth the fifty dollars. Wow. Because uh, there there's just there's so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like to be. Utterly cynical. It's the price of ten copies of Secret Wars. Right. Right. You know? And you will get far more than ten times the enjoyment of Secret Wars out of it. <laughs> Certainly you will. Uh did you read Secret Wars three this week or no? No. No. You're like no. I've, I've done, Well here's I've done the first couple of issues. Sure. And, and you're, you're, you didn't like them, so you're off it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Make sure. I just wanted to make sure because sometimes. Did, did you? I did. I picked it up. Um, I, I went to the store yesterday. I grabbed it, uh, and uh, I, you know, because I, I sort of like two 
enough. I also, I think there's a little bit of a relief for me with Secret Wars in the idea that it's sort of, um, like when you buy a mini, to me, it's like if you buy a miniseries event and you don't even bother with issue one, like you just start reading at issue two, there really is this feeling of freedom for me of like, I can quit this thing any goddamn time I want. So it's like, I picked it up. I'm like, sure. It looks pretty. There's going to be something more that happens, you know, um, and, and I'll pick it up. And, and that's the weird thing for me is, is that secret wars really is like, I don't know, you know, it's, it's it, all of, all of the caveats that I had, you know, the last time that we talked about issue two are still pretty much in place. And I, I have a really strong sneaking suspicion that I will not be back for issue four. I mean, of course, the great thing is, is thanks to Secret Wars, like slipping and all but pulling off the the tapestry of the, the direct marketplace with it. Um, I don't, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I'll have a long time to consider whether I'm going to get that issue or not. But yeah, I picked it up. I'm like, because the art is pretty. I mean, the art is really, really pretty. I know that sounds really kind of dumb, but I mean, I'm like, it is, it's, it's just an attractive book. I really like looking at it, you know? And so, eh, sue me. Um, whereas <laughs> so much of it really leaves me like ridiculously cold. So, but all of which is to say, kind of like, I'm like, eh, I don't know, Graham McMillan. Like, I, I'm very well aware that you do not like Secret Wars at all. So really, honestly, um, <laughs> you know, it, getting 10 times the amount of Secret Wars level of enjoyment for you is, is probably pretty easy to no, do. No, because I, you know? I did. No, because that makes sense. Like, <laughs> exactly. I threw Secret Wars across the, the room and was like, this comic is burning me. No. And I didn't. No, no, of course not. I just, I just didn't like it. Yeah, sure, sure. I get it. I get it. Uh, but, I, I, okay, your mileage may vary. Maybe you'll only get five times the amount. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> teasing because it's that idea of, like, once you don't like something, it's really easy to, to say, like, you know, it's definitely worth it. Like you sort of straw man yourself, I think. Maybe I'm just being uh, a butthole, okay. But. It's it's worth ten times the enjoyment of. Uh, in fact, it wouldn't be. 10. How many convergence shazams is it worth? Let's put it that way. How many convergence shazams did you get out of it? Oh God, that's tough because I really liked convergence shazams. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like we gotta how mess things up a little. How many convergence shazams did it get out of it? Honestly, I probably got like five conversions Shazam's out of it. Okay, but that's that's a that's a well. On the one hand, I'm like, that's a super high number. Uh, you know, at that point, it's like eh, fifty bucks. Eh, of course, you didn't really have to pay for it, but eh, you know, well, that's just it. Yeah, Again, right. You know, I didn't have to pay for it, so it's very possible that my my perspective is skewed. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I I know, but I also went into it having written off already. Right. Yeah. With, you know with it I mean? kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to for me to have been brought around so strongly by it yeah. suggests that there, there is something there. It's not like, ah! Like, for example, this week I also read uh, all of these sorts of sorrow issues, the, the Dynamite crossover, that the Gail Simone is, is oh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is, is doing the main series of and, and is overseeing the tie-ins. Right. Um, and again, I co- didn't pay for any of those comics. Right. Uh, and liked them much more than I expected to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in, in particular, 
staggeringly for me, the Chaos Prologue uh, wow. was was really like was really good. Is that is that Nancy Collins doing that, or was it no, someone who was also? It's Margaret Scott. Hmm. Uh, and one one of the big reasons that I liked it is the art by someone called Mirka Andolfo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 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 a really, I mean, the chaos characters are how can we say this exploitative as fuck, mm-hmm. and they manage to play that down dramatically whilst not making it seem obvious that that's what they're doing. I guess right, like they they do a really nice subtle job. Of going, let's just steer away from this shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Um, it, it, and it works. And it, it's not, like, it doesn't overwhelm the story. You're not spending the entire time going, but wait. <laughs> Why is this character who normally wears, you know, a thong and some tape over her breasts wearing sweatpants? Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it, it, it's, but I, you know, I didn't, I liked the, the I liked them all much more than, I expected to, mm-hmm. but there's also this awareness of I paid nothing for them, and if it came down to it, I probably wouldn't pay the three ninety nine an issue for these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, listen. So this actually, as long as I keep asking awful questions of you and just making sure. you justify Go. your very ex- existence, yes. uh, I'm. Please do, Jeff. I have been dying to know because in my heart it is it is which is, as we all know is a black and horrible awful thing the size of a, a very small pair um the crazy ass dc sale that is happening this month at comicsology oh yeah the the insane why don't we sell off the entire new 52 for a dollar pretty much yeah exactly yeah. uh my question to you was is a is is really are you going to get anything are you going to buy any of those things i mean i'm i'm sort of kind of curious i also thought this here's when there was sad, all those justice league yes yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i bought a lot of that anyway or being or read it as comps or read it in collected editions from the library right like i have read almost all of the stuff that they're going to be offering but i uh am i going to let's let me look at the list of what they're doing again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i'll i'll tell you why are you asking what I think you should buy? Or no, 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 no. I'm I'm actually asking because I think hmm, there's a variety of things. This was more so actually with the convergence sale, where it was like there was a lot of stuff in in convergence. Like the not week four, week four kind of ended up being kind of a, a nothing burger week. But like week three, at one point. I talked myself out of buying a bunch of stuff, or maybe it was week four, but it's like a lot of like Carrie Bates Superman issues, and they had like a huge chunk of the Justice League Detroit issues, and I was like, would Graham get those, or does Graham currently have those, or... Yeah, I I didn't get the Justice League Detroit stuff because I have it in print, and mm. if I didn't have it in print, mm-hmm. that's not true, I did get a couple of issues because I didn't have them in print. Oh, good, all right, well, that's that's good to know. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious. I I'm just very curious in a way because I know you're a very you're you're what I think of is you know a classic big DC fan you know and yet um, in the back of my brain particularly with this big sale and that wacky ass convergence sale part of me was kind of like I wonder if DC is gearing up to to build up a library 
to basically do something that's sort of Marvel Unlimited esque. You know, um, I yes. I wish they were. I don't think they are. I don't think they are either. Actually, uh, because know? I don't think they're doing anything with any of the stuff that wasn't already available digitally. Well, yes, in the case, right, or or weirdly that there's stuff like the um, like those three issues of Hex that I enjoyed that we talked about that were just so crazy and dumb. Those are still the only issues of Hex on on that are on there. Yeah, I mean, they remain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows who bought them at ninety nine cents? And right. if not enough people did. It's really unlikely you're going to get them released at one ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. You know, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying. Why can I not find the information about the? Do, do you want me to send it to you? Because I actually pulled it into a list once I saw your um I, into an email to myself. Uh, let me. Yeah, send, send it to me because yeah. I all I can find is what's available this week, and I know there's like a specific thing. And the next thing is, I know that I there you go. I know that I tweeted it out. You did. I wouldn't okay. have known about it if it wasn't for you. That's why I copied and pasted it into an email for myself. Okay, so yeah. the first week, mm-hmm. uh, the first 38 issues of Aquaman, mm-hmm. uh, I have – put this way. If I hadn't already bought them, I'd be getting the Jeff Parker issues from that. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't be getting any of the Deathstroke stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Justice League stuff, I don't know. And I'll come back to that because I want to talk about this week's Justice League. Okay. Um, the Flash, I'm. If I didn't already own it, I'd probably get a lot of the Francis Manipal stuff. Right. Green Arrow, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, Suicide Squad, I don't own a bunch of that, but I was. I'd have read a bunch of it, and I was thinking that I might pick up the Alice Scott stuff, which I've read and actually really, really liked in retrospect. Yeah, liked it enough that I was. I, I for ninety nine cents, I was kind of half tempted to pick them up. Those issues, but yeah, you know it, me, it, actually, I'm like a, it ends up being incredibly frustrating because he's on the book for such a short time. Yeah, and he is like he set up this great thing. What's that? Oh fuck! Yeah, yeah. Um, the Lobo stuff. I'm not a big enough Lobo fan, mm-hmm. uh, although I think it's a smart take on Lobo. Yeah, I think as I recall, you sort of generally like that first issue. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Secret Six. It's one issue, right? It's kind of hilarious. Uh, Teen Titans. I might pick up some of the Will Pfeiffer stuff because mm-hmm. I liked what I read of it. I wasn't madly in love with it. Wonder Woman, if I didn't already have it, I'd be picking up the Azrael Chang run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Action Comics, uh, if I didn't already have it, I'd pick up the Morrison run and I might pick up some of the pack Cooter uh, run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman, I probably wouldn't be picking any of it up, to be honest. Right. Um if they had the John Mita solo issue, I'd be picking that up and recommending it for everyone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not the sale. Right. Superman, Wonder Woman, I probably wouldn't be picking up. Batman, Superman, I already own the issues I'd want. Right. Which are the JLE issues. Mm. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman, I own them, but I think it's great, and I would, you know, if I didn't already own it, I'd be picking it up. Um, Batgirl is the Gail Simone run, right. which is not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But again, I'll come back to that because I got sent the Batgirl, uh, Fletcher Stewart Tar, uh, collection hmm. this week. And I mm-hmm. want to talk about how it reads as a collection. Right. Um, Detective Comics. I, I'm not a massive Batman fan, but if I was, I'd probably pick up the John Lehman, uh, Jason Fabric run. 
Oh, interesting. Because I've read issues of it, and it's much stronger than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gotham by Midnight probably wouldn't pick anything up. Harley Quinn, I've read a bunch of it, actually, for some reason. Right. Um, Green Lantern, I might go and pick up some of the issues of the... I've forgotten his name. Robert Venditti run that I've not read. Mm. Because I think that Robert Venditti basically takes the, the book back to the Jared Jones run. Right. In, in ways that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sinestro, I might pick up some of those issues, but that's only because I'm pretty much a mark for Green Lantern in general. Right. Week two. Yes. Uh, the Justice League of America issues I already have. The Batman issues I already have. Mm-hmm. The Future's End. This is my favorite thing about this announcement. Future's End, issues 1 to 52. Future's End was a 48-issue series. <laughs> They're advertising for issues that didn't exist. That's amazing. Yeah, oh, my I, God. I love that. Um, the Doctor Fate stuff. I might pick up some of the Doctor Fate stuff because mm-hmm. I have really fond memories of that. Uh, it's the 1980s run. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. James Amati's, uh Sean McManus. Sean, Sean McManus, yeah. I had roommates who were big fans of that run now that you mentioned Yeah, it's, it. it's actually, like, surprisingly right. like, good. I, I, I have really fun memories of it. Uh, the Green Lantern core stuff, I pick up. Uh, I'd probably pick up the, a bunch of that Green Lantern core stuff if I didn't already have it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Peter Tomasi did a really good run in Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justice League 3000, I've read it. I probably wouldn't pick it up. Omega Men, I might pick up some of it anyway. Because um, it's, the, again, the 1980s run, which is super wacky to me. Right. I right. feel like they just brought back the 1980s run out of nowhere, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Batman and Robin stuff, I've read. Mm-hmm. Hitman, I have no interest in. Right. Uh, Red Hood and Outlaws, I have no interest in. Mm-hmm. Week three, I've read Forever Evil. Uh, right. I I might pick up some of the Birds of Prey stuff because mm. it's, it's the 2011 run. Um, 2011? Oh, is it? Wait, so that's... It's, it's the second volume with Gail Simone writing. Oh, interesting. Huh. It's, okay. it's the the run that starts with Brightest Day tie-in. Got it. I didn't track that. That's interesting. Okay. Um... The Justice League Dark 1 to 40, if I didn't have those issues, I'd probably pick up a lot of the Jeff Lemire run. Mm-hmm. Because the Jeff Lemire run is really genuinely surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Like, much better than it should be. Hmm. Uh, he plays it, and this is going to sound like damning with fame praise, he plays it as the Defenders in hmm. a lot of ways, in a way that works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a lot of vertical purists who will just be like, no, what? <laughs> but if you if you can let go of, you know, this is obviously not going to be the vertical swamp thing, and obviously not going to be the vertical right. uh, team, then I think it works as, as like a, you know, a slightly off-kilter superhero book. Mm-hmm. Um, the Supergirl stuff is a really weird collection of issues. Yeah. Uh, it's two issues in the middle of a crossover. Mm. Surreally. Um, Earth 2, issues 1 to 32. Uh, we were talking about this last week. The Tom Taylor yes. stuff is, I think you should just pick up the, the, his 10 issues. Mm. I think he does really genuinely great work uh, with those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Power Girl, it, it's cute enough. It's not really my thing and I've read it. Mm-hmm. The Martian Manhunter stuff is such a bizarre collection of issues. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I would avoid Stormwatch unless you are a masochist. If you are a masochist, <laughs> then pick up the Jim Starlin stuff, which is wacky as fuck. Because <laughs> Jim Starlin literally starts his run by going, we are cosmic beings, we've re- rewritten the timeline because these guys suck. Right, right. Uh, and, and goes forward from there. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, but I'd avoid the Justice League of America run this package along with that. And mm-hmm. the Martian Manhunter run, the Strander run, mm-hmm. it's actually kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Which pains me to say, because Strander and Mandrake did a lot of great work together elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think the Martian Manhunter is not. Mm. Not. I'd probably, uh, the Stormwatch stuff, I'd probably duck the Stormwatch stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I am going to be picking up the press stuff. Oh, yeah. So that's definitely, that, yeah. That, that was the one where I was like, please, 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 and I'm very excited about, so. Um, and the, let's see, all right, I, have, I have very little interest in picking up the Arsenal miniseries. Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> everyone. Um, but Batman Eternal won to, like, the entire run of Batman Eternal for a yeah. dollar. Yeah, is it's kind of tempting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm also I'd love that they didn't say what they're releasing in week four. Oh yeah, I was it's wondering not, about that. And they didn't say what they're releasing in the fourth week. Okay, okay. I I was wondering if it was just a three week sale, which is what I resigned myself I, to. I guess, it, I guess it has to be right because yeah. just because otherwise, why would you not say this is what we're doing in the fourth week? Why would you be like, here's the first three weeks, yeah. fourth week? Uh, uh, uh. We'll tell you later. <laughs> That's kind of why. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, if I hadn't already read a bunch of that stuff, I'd probably be buying a bunch of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is the short version. Okay. Well, that's 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 good to know, and and I'm so glad I asked because really that's a that's a pretty impressive professional handicapping. I, my only regret is by the time we post this, of course, week one will be over. So, um, but, but hopefully listeners can jump in on week two and week three. And of course I'm like, Hmm, yeah, maybe in week one, the only thing, as you know, I have the horrible, like, Oh, if I buy it on digital, I can get rid of my hard copies kind of approach to things. So I filled in the holes on my Morrison action comics. Uh, and then, uh, even though I have them in print, I'm like, okay, great. I've got them all digitally now. I can get rid of them and not think twice about it. But the but the rest of the stuff, it's kind of interesting to me how much I was sort of... Um, I, honestly, I, I was like, I should jump in and I should try something new. You know, I should try a run of stuff, you know, for this kind of price. Like, just drop 20 bucks and pick up 20 issues of a title that I haven't been following, you know, that I've heard good things about. And I, and it, and it was weird. It was actually, I didn't, I didn't do that, but I found myself, um, I also didn't buy the, the issues of Batman that I, <laughs> I have all those issues in print, but like, um, wait, the, the Snyder. Capullo. Yeah. The Snyder Capullo stuff. Right. And what's interesting is, is that, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was writing something about the f- finale of Endgame, I got really tired of just flipping through my issues, uh, you know, trying to dig around in my poorly organized long boxes to come up with the first two or three issues of Endgame. And I was like, fuck it by this point they've all gone down a dollar in price and you know i've i've got some patreon money you know it's it's like so i bought the previous issues read them all at a go and i was like 
I've maybe this is this is probably just the curse of me being a um poorly uh disorganized slob who doesn't like dicking around in his long boxes, but I was like that was ridiculously enjoyable, you know? And I, I don't even think that I loved the rest of Capullo and Snyder's Batman run, but I found myself being like, you know, if I picked up the rest of this stuff and then just read it all through, reread it as a, as a sort of a done in one, I bet I would have a great time, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, well, I've been reading it in collections, right? And it reads marvelously in collections. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, which I, I can see, I mean, you know, it's, I really think Snyder is really attentive to playing, keeping an eye on his, on his, on the big picture of his structure as he snaps these things in. And he usually, I mean, he makes a point to jam a lot of, at least a certain amount of action into each issue. And then, of course, Capullo's stuff looks great. So I talked myself out of it, but I'm really curious. I mean, I, I sort of was sort of pooping around about, what I might purchase or what I, you know, uh, down the road. And it was like, apart from like Prez and, um, I, you know, I, I think I'll probably end up buying those 40 issues of Hitman, which is kind of amazing because a, for some reason it's not the full run, which is sort of frustrating, but it will be like considering the Punisher max issues and, uh, you know, I, I chipped in for the, the cross Kickstarter or whatever that Avatar was running that, that gets you like, God help you, all the issues of crossed. It's like my, my Garth Ennis section of the comicsology part of my iPad is, is enormous. It's enormous. In, yeah. yeah. In terms of having huge chain runs of this stuff. Um, and that's fine, but I'm really fascinated to like, sometimes I feel like particularly when it comes to, superhero books or uh a lot of my digital reading feels like um compulsive hand washing you know it's like oh i read this i liked it i'll get it again and then reread it and and re-like it and part of me is like and when it comes time for me to branch out into reading new stuff i suppose i'm much more willing to go to image or you know, especially dive into something on Crunchyroll and read manga, then reinvest in, um, then, then, then inv- try investing in something new, you know, where I'm, where I'm, bl- you know, because I'm not really good at sampling at 99 cents in a chunk. I'm like, okay, I'll buy five issues of Superman Wonder Woman when they're on sale and see how I like it there. You but know? that's, that's super interesting to me. So you wouldn't, for example, just buy, the first issue of something at 99 cents on like the Monday, knowing that the sale goes on for a week. So you can come back like on the Friday. Right. And go, yeah, I guess I did like it. I, you know, I thought about it. I, and, and let's put it this way. I did a lot more of that the previous month with convergence. I mean, it was a lot of chain buying, but there was a lot of, Oh, I'm going to take a chance on this kind of thing, you know? But well, the, the funny thing about the sale is, mm-hmm. It's the new 52 material. Exactly. And so much of the new 52 stuff, I followed... It's it's much of a muchness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and interestingly enough, 
that's sort of why part of me is like, God, I should pick the brain, pick your brain more closely because since you followed more of it, it really seems that it was only after, the, in some cases, the first two years of a lot of these titles that they started loosening up and you started getting people who were, who were able to put in their, you know, a take they wanted to do as opposed to they were just running to, to catch up. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much genuinely rough material in the early issues of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that's not even necessarily worth 99 cents. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, the, the Superman stuff, and I love Superman, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. the, the New 52 Superman series, right? the majority of that is by Scott Lobdell and is uh, difficult to read. Yeah, yeah, we say. right, right. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, the same with a lot of the Teen Titans stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's they're obviously they're choosing titles that re reflect on one of their their new launches or one of their new exactly. launches, exactly. which makes sense. But it's a good thing too because otherwise they'd be like, "Hey, who wants to get Legion Lost?" And I say this as a massive Legion fan. <laughs> that's a terrible book. <laughs> like that's a that's a dog of a book, right? Um, or, you know, hey, do you want to get Hawkins up? What about Amethyst? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is weird. I mean, it's the thing that I find that is amazing with DC and it is, you know, sort of following up on that convergence thing is there are so many layers in strata of of periods of DC comics, you know, at this point that I find it, it just, I can't even imagine how anyone, I mean, I guess we all have the internet now, but I swear to God, the, you know, the so-called new reader, you know, just the fact that there's these huge DC universe books for titles where the whole point is, is that they've totally gone in a different direction because these issues, this direction didn't work, you know? It is hilarious to see the Batgirl run, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, here's all the Gil Simone issues that are nothing like the stuff that is now in the book. And that it, the book only really became a thing after we stopped doing this. Yes, exactly. And they don't even – I'm sort of weirded out that they're – and I mean – and this I think will be a good segue into the Batgirl trade. Part of me is like – are you, I know, I assume they're not, they didn't put those issues out for 99 cents, no. you know, because no. it, they, they didn't they, want to they, cut against the trade and stuff, but, yeah. you know, but at the same time, it does give that weird thing of like, you know, hey, try this stuff. It's exactly what we're not going to be doing. So if you do like it, you'll be screwed. You know, I, I just, I, I really, there, there's just a perversity, uh, unintentional i think to to the way this stuff gets put out that i just find like well i i can almost see some of it where it's like you know this is the backstory of these characters you're liking this character here's the backstory which you know batgirl explicitly references right in this storyline that's in the first trade that's true explicitly references yeah you have to know that stuff in order for the story to fucking work mm-hmm because mm -hmm. even though they do the – and the, the trade is actually – the trade, I think, holds up better than the individual issues. Mm. Uh, the meta story is is more clear. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and the placement of the uh, Secret Origins story 
mm. is is such that they are like, okay. I mean, you you read the issues, right? I'm not spoiling anything. No, no. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they they do the. Uh, oh, the villain turns out to be the algorithm based on Barbara's brain, and that's when they put in the the secret origins issue. Oh, nice! Like immediately after that, and so it's like, and here's what the algorithm is all about. Like here is the story from the algorithm's point of view, which mm-hmm. also fills in the the backstory of who Batgirl is, and so it makes it flows better. Uh, but you know, it does explicitly reference the Gail Simone run, a right? Bunch. Which I honest, was in the dark there, about. Mm-hmm. And there's a fairly, uh, it's not a big plot point, but the 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 subtext of Barbara is ditching Alyssa because Alyssa represents her old life mm-hmm. doesn't really work unless you've been reading the Kill Simone stuff, you know? Because otherwise you're like she's ditching a friend. Why? Do you know what I mean? Like that's. That's I I don't get it, you know. But it, but if you have read the Gail Simone run, you're like, well, it makes sense that mm-hmm. she's she's rejecting the depression. She she's pushing that away and is also pushing away the person who reminds her of that. You know that works and and that doesn't come across in the the Fletcher Stewart tar run. Mm-hmm. Like that that is that is subtext that is not explained in in the secret origins issue or in the books themselves. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much like you're left in the dark about that until someone just comes out and says it. <laughs> and even then, it doesn't really make sense because it's like it's come out of nowhere in the, the context of that run, you know? So so it's a it's a very interesting I can see why if they're trying to appeal to the the continuity minded Mm-hmm. Then you'd say, "Hey, here's the Gail Simone run," but then you get to things like the Omega Man. Why don't we give you almost every appearance from the Omega Man before ever? Yes, which is just wacky as hell. Yeah, because none of that stuff is the same tone as the the new series. Mm-hmm. None. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you and read the is, full first issue? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I. Uh, so what I was going to say is, I, I got oh. the. I got all the first issues from DC this yeah. week. Um, and it's a fucking great week for DC. Mm-hmm. It's when you read them all, when you read the, the entire like week of, of uh, DCU yes. launches, um, specifically when you read everything, and that includes Batmite and Bizarro, you're like, they have an incredibly strong and varied line right now. Right. Like Batmite and Bizarro being in there, really means something i it's I, really they're so different right that that really sticks out and you're like okay batmite is in a weird way such an old-fashioned comic like mm. such an old-fashioned uh i i, I don't want to say kids comic but but cartoony comic right right in 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 every respect <laughs> That you're like, yeah, this is this is kind of amazing that this is coming out. And Bizarro is just fun. I I I read the free preview of Batmite uh, a couple of weeks back, which is actually not anything like first issue. Really, oh, really. son of a bitch! Really? Okay, because I was like, yeah. I can't do this. This it, it, it struck me as kind of warmed over hash browns from you know I yeah, you know me yeah, I just Bat, don't Bat, yeah Bat, Batmite is far, the the comic is far less meta. Mm. than that like a pager was mm-hmm. 
and also interestingly enough, like the eight page pretty much sets up a, and here's what the hook of the story is. Yes. Right? Because right. he's like, I'm going to go and fix the other story. That's yeah. not, Phil, that's not fault up at all in the first issue. Wow. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Well, uh, you know, uh, but Bizarro, I did not read the preview. No, I did read the preview for it. And I was like, ah, it was the cartooning was just sharp enough that I was like, yeah. And, and of course, a little bit of me being a booster. It was like, you know, this is the kind of thing I want. And I actually really liked the first issue. Uh, I thought it was fun. It was the closest. It was a lot like a boom comic in some ways you know well, I, I i can totally see that yeah mm-hmm. I, I i think it's a super fun comic yeah. yeah and i think it's much more fun than i expected it to be mm-hmm. yeah uh, because i i liked the preview but i didn't love the preview mm-hmm. and i found i think this is a uh, a much better introduction yeah i, yeah. I think it's, it's the pacing is much better i think it's just it's it's more fun and it goes i think what really works for me is it goes off topic more yes Right. You know, so you get the secret origin of Colin the Chupacabra. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Right. Or, or you like all the King Tut stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The King Tut stuff, which I... It's, it's hilarious. Just adored, actually. Yeah. That was, that was really enjoyable. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, exactly. It was like a fun digressive. Well, that was the other thing that I really appreciated about most of the DC sneak previews is they most, you know, in a kind of, in some cases you had to squint your eyes to get it. In other cases, it was very clear. It was like, this is, it's got a hook, but it's more or less a self-contained story. You know, you get to the end and it's, and it's the end of it. And it tells you what's kind of, what the new series is going to be. Um, and so I appreciated kind of how focused the, all the sneak previews that I read were. You know, as opposed to them just being, I really, when I've downloaded a bunch of them, I just figured they would be eight pages, you know, the first eight pages, six pages of a title or something like that. Yeah, I I, I loved that that they were all new stories. Yeah, that. And and the ones that specifically weren't, now we done. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, for example, the Action Comics issue this week, I fucking adored. Oh, but really? I think the preview for the Action Comics issue was weak because mm-hmm. it felt like it was, you know, mm-hmm. he he's lost his costume. What happens now? <laughs> uh, and, it, and the issue itself is far stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The issue itself is uh, maybe the best of the this week's DC releases. And it's a, I mean, it's a staggeringly strong week for DC. Wow. It's the strongest they've been in a long fucking time. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way you're talking about it, it sounds like... It sounds like the way I wish the new 52 had launched and yes. didn't. You yes. Know? Yes. Completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, out of this week's DCU books, the ones that I would say are uh, bad, and even then, in fact, that's not true. The ones that I would say were bad, there's mm. one comic, mm. which is Green Arrow. Mm. Oh, that's so funny. That's the one that I bought because... Um, because I like Patrick Zercher and I follow him on Twitter and he just had so many people tweeting uh, compliments that he was he was retweeting. I was like, I'll give it a try. Sure. Yeah, what I, the it's, hell? It's just, it's just very uh, – I was going to say it's very much not my thing, but it's not just that. I think it's not necessarily great at what it's doing. Mm. For example, Lobo is very much not my thing, but I think it is great at what it's doing. Right. So Green Arrow for me is worse than Lobo. Lobo also wasn't really my taste, but – the Omega Man is great. 
mm-hmm. Green Lantern is far better than it should be, considering <laughs> it's pretty much picking up an ongoing storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Billy Tan is very much not my cup of tea as an artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, Midnighter is great. Midnighter really? is just, yeah, Midnighter you should pick up just for the art alone. Midnighter mm-hmm. is like the most attractive fucking superhero comic. It's it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Action Comics is really, really, really good, and feels like, ironically, what should have been the next step after Morrison's run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like after the start of Morrison's run, because mm-hmm. it's very much a return to Superman of the people and how Superman interrelates with his community, uh, and it's it's just I loved it. Um, Justice League this week is really good. It's the best the book's been since it launched. So, yeah, tell me about that. Because, of course, I picked up the previous issue, which was the one where you're like, it's, you know, practically multiversity-esque. Um, yes, it's multiversity multiversity light. Yes. And I got to say, I was kind of like, it didn't, it didn't really fry my burger, so I didn't pick up this one. I sort of, I like the art generally enough that I was... Really tempted, but I just couldn't bring myself to. So, I don't know. Uh, one thing. One of the things I liked is mm-hmm. that it's actually super long. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's maybe thirty six issues, thirty seven, uh, thirty six pages, thirty seven pages. Uh-huh. I mean, you're paying for it. It's five dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels, it feels a lot happens. Mm-hmm. One of the problems I've had with with John's Justice League, especially since Forever Evil, is it feels like it's been playing for time. Mm-hmm. And that everything has been super stretched out, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's if it has been stretched out and he's been playing for time, or if he's just decided to go fuck it. I'm changing up my plans, mm-hmm. but by setting up the we have to get Dark Side here, we have to get the Anti Monitor here, and we have to get everyone in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a shit ton of stuff happens. Mm. <laughs> Which is really, really unusual, but feels great in a way. And some of the reveals are cute in a way that I didn't expect them, mm-hmm. but also want to see where he goes next. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of want to just spoil it because it would mean nothing to you anyway. Yeah, I say go for it, Graham. Tell, uh, tell so me. So maybe about six months earlier, uh, when Lex Luthor joined the team, it was revealed that Lex Luthor was working to cure his sister because mm-hmm. his sister is some. You know, comic book undisclosed disease, which means she's wasting away. But, you know, let's not actually say what it is. It's just a disease that Lex can't cure. Right. And Lex gets shot by his sister in this issue. Yeah. Because she's working for Darkseid. Uh... And nowhere she's just like, yeah, I'm working for Darkseid and I'm trying to kill Lex Luthor. <laughs> um, you find out that uh, there is someone and it's not necessarily revealed to it the, the issue basically focuses around like three tracks one is lex superman and the sister mm-hmm. one is the rest of the justice league investigating a series of murders of people who all have the same name uh and it turns out that basically the the dark sides like apocalypse minions are trying to kill her because she can threaten dark side um and the third is mr miracle who is, is has decided that he is the only one who can stop this, you know, massive cosmic war happening. Uh, and it all, literally all comes together in the end issue. <laughs> hmm. All three all three threads come together in the end issue. But it feels like at least two or three issues of what Justice League would normally be at its normal pacing. 
And so you're like, okay, I feel like I've really got a comic here. Right, right. You know, I feel like a lot has happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Fabix art is super interesting to me. Mm. It feels very much like what you get if you crossed Gary Frank with David Finch. Mm, mm-hmm. In a way that is weirdly works and shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. it does work. Um, yeah, I like his stuff a lot. In fact, I forgot that he had done the detective comic stuff and I'm like, oh, I should. Like his, his work on, on Batman Eternal, uh, was what were some of my favorite issues in the sense of like, oh, this guy can really draw some appealing, like it's Jim, Jim Lee-esque, but, but somehow seemingly not as airless. You know, and and not as sketchy around the corners. So yeah, he, he has a lot of very strange, unexpected, and contrary influences, which I find super fascinating about him. Uh, and and he, I think he he works as a Justice League artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm I, I think it was a really surprisingly strong issue because the book has has kind of seems on life support for a while, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, uh, no, I've got an idea now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it feels like that. It feels very much like, oh, okay, I can do this. Right. Right. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, Omega Man. Did you pick up Omega Man? N- no, I did not. You should have picked up Omega Man. Interesting. I was highly tempted, but it's one of those things where I, I just, I don't know. I guess I've never really been into the characters. I thought the preview was sort of interesting, you know, and of course, there's been a lot of. He won a lot of goodwill for me on Grayson, so I spent yes. a lot of time that, very that, much. That's one of the reasons why I'm like, I think you should you should get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I don't think it matters that you've never really had any affinity to the characters because a you don't have a lot of character work here, and b these are clearly not the same characters that they were before. Mm-hmm. They might have the same name, they might have the same visual, they're not the same characters. Interesting. Okay, but there's some there's some of the formal play that he was doing in Grayson. Mm-hmm. Not exactly the same, but you can tell he is as interested in doing something that you that is unexpected uh, formally mm-hmm. to the point where there are scenes where everything is in an alien language apart <laughs> from the names of characters. So you just don't understand what's happening. It's like random character, like character type, mm-hmm. and then you see Omega Man. Like then then a Mega Man, then then a Lantern, then 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 a Kyle Rayner, and you just see the characters acting, and you and and those are relatively long scenes. It's not like a panel, right? Oh, interesting. Um, so there, there's yeah, he, he's it's it could be read as being uh, needlessly grim, uh, especially after that preview, which I think is amazingly dark. Uh, but I think he's going somewhere with it. And I think the the last page in particular in this issue, uh, both manages to go, no, I'm doing something else. And also, oh, and by the way, this might be even darker than you thought. <laughs> uh, there is a really, again, I kind of want to spoil it, but I don't because I want you to read the book. Right. But there is a really, he sets up very early on. So it, it is essentially Star Wars uh, in its setup. Mm-hmm. It's a rebellion against an evil empire. Mm-hmm. The issue starts with the evil empire um, practicing phrases in the alien language. And it's, we are friends, you know, you can trust us. Mm-hmm. 
And then you see them use those phrases as they basically break into someone's house and threaten everyone. That's great. So you're taught, you're taught very clearly, like, you know, you can't trust these guys. They're using things. The last page of the book is the Omega Men saying to someone, you can trust us, we're friends. Uh... And you're like, oh, shit, they're, they're just as bad. Right. Like maybe they're doing something for the greater good, but these are these guys are just as bad. Like we can't we can't trust language, huh? Because you don't know if they mean it, right. or if they're because they say it word for word the way the bad guys did it first. Hmm. So you really have this moment of, is it darker? Like is this the most dark book, or is the point being that they are, that they mean it? Right, that they're sort of taking back the concept of yeah, right. Huh. Well, interesting. Uh, I an 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 ambiguous uh cliffhanger. That's kind of that's kind of I, interesting. I, uh in you know to to lay my biases out. I also interviewed Tom King for Wired this week. Oh, did you? About the book. Uh-huh. Um and he was surprisingly uh strongly held opinions about you can't just do the same stories. Like, you have to do something different. You have to do something different firmly. You have to do something different with the content. Uh, because to not, to just regurgitate the same characters, to just regurgitate the same stories, is wasting them. And is wasting the, the, the medium. Wow. That, and that Omega Man is his attempt to do something different. And to explicitly do a 12-issue story that is 12 issues that you don't have to read any other comic to understand. Hmm. And it's like the book might go on longer, but this is a twelve issue story. Right. He was like, I can come up with other stories. <laughs> right. Right. But his first story is going to be like a complete story. Yes. Huh. Alright. Well it's shoot, I'm sorry kicking myself for not picking it up, I gotta say. You can pick it up next week. I I, I will. I shall. Damn uh, it. Yeah, I, I, I really I really liked it because there's there's a lot of the formal play of, of Grayson in there, but wrapped around hey, you know that Star Wars story? What if the rebels were really rebels? Mm-hmm. Like what if they weren't, you know, the super cute handsome kids who end up saving the universe after an Oshucks adventure? Mm-hmm. What if they had to do shitty things? And what if the Empire was actually evil? Yeah, those those are those are all um that's that all seems like good strong stuff. I have to say to roll it back, um since you've given me the segue, uh I've read issues four, five, and six of Marvel's Star Wars book at a go, um, because I'd sort of had, you know, piled up the issues, basically. And uh I I feel re- weirdly sort of guilty for how much I really like that book. Like it is such a it is such a fan service book, I guess. But it really is. I actually read it this week. Uh, oh, did you? Uh huh. Well, I, I ended up buying it all digitally because of the the Han Solo reveal, which I had to report on. Mm, right. And I was like, I like I have to know the context. Um, and it's. It's super great, but it is amazingly fun service, isn't it? Oh, so much so. But it, but in a weird, like, a way that I really like. Did you end up reading issues four through six, or did you have to jump all the way back to one, or? No, I read, I was even six, I thought it was issue five. I thought oh. I just read issues. Uh, I don't, I, oh, uh, no, it's four, five, and six. Six is the, is the Han Solo's wife reveal, I think. Which I was trying not to say. 
But good, good on you, Jeff. Oh, I uh, thought you said it. Oh shit, sorry. No, you I, said no, something no, no, about no. the character from the Han Solo's past. Yeah, okay, I'll just bleep that. Yeah, okay. So I read. I, I guess I read five and six. I for some reason I thought I read four and five. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So four, five, and six. And uh, uh, so if you missed four, one of the things that's kind of great about four is there's a meeting between Jabba the Hutt and Darth Vader, and Jason Aaron writes a really good Jabba the Hutt. Like it was Which great. I, Jason Aaron writes. All of them very much in voice. Yes, he's got the voices down, and I really like it. Like, there's points where it gets, you know, how do I put it? It's not like uh, like um, reading the early days of the Marvel Star Wars comics, where somebody, you know, where where there's always a lot of shout outs. You know, it was like the. It's very easy to. For me to misremember like the 30 odd issues of Star Wars comics that I read way back when of like every other panel. Someone's like, I told you to let the Wookiee win or, you know, I still have a bad feeling about this. And and Aaron has those lines, but not nearly as often. And he yeah. really does do a great little job, I think, of being able to. To make the characters so so yeah, when Jabba the Hutt meets uh, Darth Vader in issue four, of course Darth Vader does his whole like you know you know you're entitled to nothing. I'll take everything. And and Jabba the Hutt's first reaction is always to start off doing the ho 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 ho. I'm like that's great. That's just great. <laughs> I really liked it. I really liked the. There's like a big goofy fight between Boba Fett and. Um, and Luke Skywalker, and I really like the fact that Boba Fett is such a is such an action figure version of him. He he does all of his little cool toy maneuvers like right from the get go, right down to something as goofy as like I'm going to fire this little harpoon gun, you know, and have it tangle somebody's legs as they're running, you know, just yeah, stuff like that. I it. it also, what a weird Watchmen shout out. Did you catch that? That what I thought was hilarious. Um No. Boba Fett is in the cantina, uh, you know, trying to find information about this Skywalker kid, and everyone's just sort of scowling at him, and then there's the big six armed guy that jumps him, and then Boba Fett does the next time you see him, he's got the character pinned down, and he's like, Okay, you know, I've I've cut off one of his arms and I've broken two. Who's going to tell me where Skywalker is? And then he breaks the other arm. That's three. And you hear the cries and it's it's the look oh on God, all the yes. crowd people. I, I that didn't even fit, like not even slightly did that occur to me. Right. And only when you were telling me the scene that I read, <laughs> my like, of course. Because it's a context you are not expecting, and it's just weirdly cheeky that he goes for that. I'm like, there's just something where it's like, oh, everyone loves Boba Fett. Uh, that's why I'm going to compare him to Rorschach, who everybody also loves, but shouldn't. You know, it was just, it was really, really fun. So it's a fun book, and weirdly, John Cassidy's art is also, like, there was a point where, again, it, it, be cutting between... Um, you know, Han Solo doing his super cool, you know, both fucking up their, their, uh, innocuous plan to slip by, uh, a bunch of TIE fighters and then basically saving the day by knowing, you know, the secret planet that nobody else knows about. 
Um, they're just they were they were cutting back and forth between that and the Luke Skywalker Boba fight fed, and I was just like, if I was a kid, if this had been the stuff that I had been reading back when I was like twelve years old and Star Wars had come out, I'm sure my ages are off on there. I just really would have lost my shit in like in like a good way, you know, in kind of the best way. And Cassidy's work really is kind of, I thought his expressions for a particularly Han Solo are enjoyably goofy. Like it looks like the character, but it doesn't, doesn't yeah, fall I, into I, just I, photo I really reveals. Liked likenesses. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. it allowed me to get over my, my common problem with Cassidy, which is why is everyone so short? Why are their proportions so off? <laughs> I, th- I, and I've, I've always been grateful that, that like proportions have to be, absurdly wrong for me to notice um you know um but yeah no exactly whereas the likenesses it goes a long way toward that and of course there's also a weird um i don't know you know just that sort of semi uh airlessness that cassidy's work has lines up really well with some of the design elements of star wars generally so it just i don't know just it worked. I I finished. I'm like I'm going to feel like a, kind of a a, a, a jerk um, talking about how much I enjoyed these like three issues in a row. No, I I I think they're. This is going to sound super cruel. I think they're everything that everyone wants a Star Wars comic to be, mm-hmm. which is like suffocating with nostalgia. Yeah. Well, yeah, suffocating with nostalgia. See, yes. Nostalgia, but also that um, that fan service. Like there yeah, is but, a lot but, of for me. Like fa- like fan service for Star Wars is nostalgia. Yeah, but don't you? But like, weren't we talking about how Star Wars: The Force Awakens? Like one of the things that they did that was, I think, really you know, was smart about that I, trailer yeah, was. You're you're right. Yeah, it's also fa- it's fan service in a different way. Fan, I think for me, fan service when you're dealing with the original trilogy mm-hmm. is is nostalgia. Right. Right. Because the, because fan service is, it's literally just like the original movie. Yes. Like, yeah. not even, oh, it's those characters. It's got to be, it's literally that original movie. Right. Well, and this, this may also be the reason why I feel somewhat guilty about it, is I know that, you know, Dark Horse had that franchise for a long, long time and really did just attack the fucking thing from, like, every possible angle. You know, in part because I guess they had it for such a long time, but also I think, you know, in an attempt to be like, you know, we really do take this seriously. You know, it's kind of like we take the Star Wars universe seriously. We're going to take these characters. We're going to grow these characters. We're going to play out, you know, any number of different angles um, because we really care about it. You know, and I don't necessarily feel like reading, reading Marvel Star Wars. I don't feel like Jason Aaron is like somebody who sat there and and has read all the Dark Horse comics. You know, oh what I mean? God, almost certainly not. Like yeah. he strikes me; the, the, those those issues strike me as he's someone who's watched the film a lot. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's like he's like I'm just going to do the original trilogy and and I'm going to mix things up from those first three movies. Um, but yeah, I'm not really going to bother with. You know, you you know, your the adventures of that, you know, 
sexy secret agent guy or, you know, who's who's the guy that we, everyone goes to? Kyle Katarn? Who, who was the dude who was like the... Um, it, Kyle Katarn is from the Star Wars video games, but who was the okay, Shadow of the Empire cool. character? Uh, Mara Jade? Uh, oh, no, no. Um, uh, Dash Rendar. Yes. Good old Dash Rendar, where it was like... I, see, I should totally know that, because I read one of the Marvel collections of Dark Horse stuff this weekend. Oh, did you? Uh, God, I can't even remember what it's called. It's 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 pretty much like, here's a random compendium of stuff that happens after the, the Return of the Jedi. That's, that's really what it should be called. Like, yes. here's is, here is a massive collection of comics featuring characters like Mara Jade and characters you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Dash Rendar's in there. Yeah, good old Dash Rendar. Yeah, so... Um... Oh, so, so there is really kind of the idea that's sort of, but, but for me, I'm also kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm nostalgic enough to the point of if it looks, if it's drawn well enough and it's written well enough, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the greatest hits collection, which is kind of, uh, makes me, like I said, it makes me feel a little, um, I don't know, hypocritical, I suppose, but, uh. But I gotta fess up. I did like, why, enjoy it. Why are you not okay with just liking that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, how do I put it? There, so I don't know if you have this part, this side of yourself, Graham. But there's the stuff that um, there's the stuff that I read and I feel okay about. But there's also the part that's like, well, I, I'm not going to mention that on the podcast, or even just a little <laughs> bit of the idea of um, <laughs> I, I, I find myself being like. Like on a good day, I'm, you know, well, probably on a good day, I don't really pay attention to the idea of, you know, sort of what we're doing on the podcast apart from podcasting. But I definitely go through periods where like someone sends me a note and is like, oh, hey, I started reading this because of you. And it's like, that's always, I always like, I dig that. That's part of why we do it, you know? And so I kind of have that thing of like, I like feeling like somebody who points out, where the good stuff is, you know? Um, and yet I'm, I'm also super being like, you know, that massively selling Star Wars comic. That right. I was doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know that like corporate synergy in a comic book package. Exactly. That's fun. But yeah. if it's fun, then what's the problem really? Well, I know exactly. And I mean, it's sort of as a dude who picks up a ridiculous number of superhero comics week in and week out, uh, out of very complex, you know, reasons that are this weird sweet spot. It's like a Venn diagram where the circles that are marked nostalgia and the circles that are marked, um, you know, uh, quality writing and art and, you know, all kind of cross over and create this little sliver of a moon that is like, you know, a good superhero comic, you know, like with a certain degree of innovation, but a certain degree of the same, you know, it's a very, it's a very strange, uh, area to be in. So I, I'm going to pivot from that. Please. Uh, and ask you, Jeff, well, how do you feel about the all new, all different Marvel announcements that happened today? Uh, maybe I missed them. Wasn't it just sort of like, oh, we've got a new Wolverine, but is he Wolverine? Uh, yeah, it, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There were, so there was uh, an amazing amount of interviews. Right. What can only be described as a, a petulant Attempt to get publicity with while not actually saying anything, right? Uh, on Marvel's behalf, um, in which they did no. The, well, here's the thing: the fact that this is 
the fact that this week started off with Marvel going, the first anyone will know about these books will be in a comic store in July. Right. And then the day after DC's new releases come out for mm-hmm. their big launch, Marvel does like six different interviews mm-hmm. uh, promoting a preview image and refusing to give any specifics, but being like, we're being diverse, you guys. Look, it's Red Wolf. <laughs> we're doing a Hulk. It's not the. It's not Bruce Banner. We won't say who it is, but people like Thor should pay attention to this Hulk. We're yeah. not saying it's a girl, but it might be a girl. Maybe she's going to turn into Hulk when she's got PMS, which I swear to God, I've stopped myself saying as a joke so many times today. <laughs> I I'm so terrified, Graham. I'm like shit. The worst idea possible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Genuinely, like I wouldn't put it past them at this point. (laughs) Um, We've got a new Spider-Man. Right. We've got a new Wolverine. And uh, while we have been recording, they've released a second promo image. Oh. Uh, And that second promo image features, according to the, shall we just say maybe somewhat biased comic book resources uh brett white who's he's not biased towards marvel at all but he as he says the first image uh mostly showed characters look to be unchanged this teaser emphasizes the new and different parts of the initiative does it let's go down who's in this teaser (laughs) well there's the thing there's rocket raccoon there's hyperion there's some inhumans uh there's old man logan there's Daredevil, but this time his costume is black. And there's Doctor Strange. He's all new because he's fucking carrying an axe. <laughs> oh, there's also Citizen V from the Thunderbolts. Uh, and Doctor Spectrum from the Squadron Sinister. Wow. Oh, and, and uh, X-23 is now dressed as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Because all new, all different. Do you get it, Jeff? Mm-hmm. It's the same characters... But they're wearing different clothes. Well, some of them are. Some of them aren't. That's, see, the ones who are wearing different clothes, they're all different. The ones who aren't, they're all new, apart yeah. from being like 40 years old. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm... Uh, all new, all different, Jeff. Right. Well, if we can back it up a little bit. Uh, listeners, you may be amused to know that in an earlier uh, email with Graham and, uh, exchange between Graham and I this week. That is essentially how I found out that Secret Wars is shipping late and also as a result of shipping late uh, the miniseries uh, the various tie-ins are also going to be withheld as well. That's 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 officially confirmed, right? Um, uh, some of them are, not all of them. Okay, so some of them are actually... so. But but they're not all uh, delayed the same amount. Really? Yeah, it's just that lots of things are suddenly late. Wow. So Secret Wars issue four is going to be two weeks late. Secret Wars issue five is going to be five weeks late. Which blew my mind, I have and to Secret say. And Secret Wars issue six is going to be three weeks late. The miniseries go anywhere between one week and I want to say five weeks. Mm-hmm. And not all of them are delayed. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is on purpose. Do you know what I mean? Like it just right. seems to be everything is randomly shipping off schedule. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I think things are very uh, wacky. Yeah, yeah. And so I found that to me that was that was a real startling piece of news. Uh, 
you know, a lot of retailers are buying this stuff in large amounts because they've been told to uh, on a non-returnable basis. And there's these now potentially huge gaps. Now, it, it is worth remembering because, again, I believe Graham pointed out this out to me that, that Civil War, of course, also shipped late. Um, Civil War ships really late. Civil War ends up shipping like two months or three months. Two again. or three months late. And having worked – because I worked in a comic book store during that time, uh, one of the things that um, was weird was that was during that period where Marvel's shipping late actually seemed to help them in sales. You know, like there was very much – people would come in, had had – just now had heard of Civil War, were super excited and basically would buy the, th- you know, the three issues that were out because thank God Marvel kept reprinting the Sons of Bitches. Um, and then, so it, and then more people would talk about it. And so it really seemed kind of like as had happened with the Ultimates or I remember this happening with uh, Kevin Smith and Joe Quesada's Daredevil. People, the long delays actually created a demand. Like there would be, I, I, maybe that's going to happen with this. Who knows? This, these, this is the complete list of books that are uh, on last week were mm-hmm. slipping schedule. Okay. Okay. From Marvel, mm-hmm. eighteen seventy-two issue two is uh, shipping three weeks late. The AKA Jessica Jones trade paperback. A.K.A. Alias, uh, is now uh, five weeks late. A-Force issues two, three, and four are now all going to be late. Oh, my God. Um, no, sorry. A-Force issue two is going to be early. Oh, what? It's going to be a week early, and then A-Force three and four are going to be late. Oh, my God. Age of Apocalypse issues two and three are going to be late. All-New Hawkeye is going to be late. The third hardcover collection of All-New X-Men is going to be three months late. Oh, uh, right, because of issue 600. Of issue 600. Wow. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 20.1 is going to be two weeks late. Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows issues 2, 3, and 4 are all going to be shipping late. Um, the Ant-Man Natural Enemy Pros novel is going to be shipping two weeks late. All <laughs> Big Thunder Mountain Railroad hardcover is going to be shipping five weeks late. <laughs> Black Widow issue 20 is going to be shipping a week okay, late. Okay, you know what? Honestly, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but I... I it, once you say the phrase Big Thunder Big Mountain Thunder Mountain Railroad, I'm really like to me that's almost as if like Marvel like missed a printing bill or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, like they it just, just... they've done a whole they've done a whole series of that. They've, yeah, this is like their third comic based on a uh, a Disney ride. No, no, I, I I'm well aware, and that's that's my thing is like clearly they're not holding that for any sort of Secret oh, no. Wars related. Fascinatingly enough, Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier issue 10 and 11 were both scheduled to ship on the same day and are both being moved to the same date four weeks hence. It's got to be a typo. Civil War issues 2 and 3 are both going to be late. Darth Vader issues 8, 9, and 10 are all going to be late. Deadpool hardcover volume 2 is going to be late. Deadpool hardcover volume 3 is going to be late. Death of Wolverine trade paperback is going to be late. Dexter Down Under trade paperback is going to be late. The new printing of the Fallen Sun trade paperback is going from uh, September to February next year. 
Future Imperfect issues two and three are going to be late. George Romero's Empire of the Dead Act three and four, Act three issues four and five are going to be late. Guardians of Nowhere issue one and two are going to be late. Hail Hydra issues one and two is going to be late. Uh, Howard the Duck issues five issue five is going to be late. Infinity Gauntlet issues two and three going to be late. Inhumans Attilan Rising issue three is going to be late. Magneto issue twenty is going to be late. Marvel Zombies issue two is going to be late. Marvel Agents of Shield season two declassified slipcase is going to be late. Master of Kung Fu issue 3 is going to be late. Max Ride First Flight hardcover is going to be late. Uh, okay. Another five-week skip. I have a new plan. I have a new theory. Do you want me to just list all the stories, all the issues that are going to be coming out in time? Yeah, that that would almost seem like a shorter list. Yeah, um, it, well, okay. Ms. Marvel, One Man, uh, Outman Logan, Punisher, this is all late still. Rock Raccoon Trade Paperback, Secret Wars, issues 4, 5, and 6. Secret Wars Battle Standy One Cheat Freedies is going to be late. Wow. Siege issues one and two are going to be late. Silk issues five and uh, six and seven are going to be late. Silver Surfer issue fifteen. Spider Island issues two and three. Squadron Sinister issues one. Star Wars Lando three and four. Star Wars The Marvel Years Omnibus Volume three. Star Wars Princess Leia Trade Paperback. Star Lord and Kitty Pride one and two. Thor's issue two. Weird World issue two and three. X Men Avengers Onslaught Omnibus. Years of Future Past issues two and three. All are going to be late. Okay, I mean, that's a staggering amount, right? Something I, ha- I have a theory. I do have a theory. This is probably a crazy theory, but I have a theory. You um, think they, they didn't pay someone on time? Well, that was my original theory. Was they didn't pay someone in the printers and 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 but um, which sort of seems ridiculous. But I think it's actually more insidious than that. Um, my my secret belief that you and the listeners I know are very privy to, but I'll explain it one more time, and, and is that Marvel is so crazily driven by the numbers that they have to hit every quarter that they will do anything possible to, to hit to hit those numbers. And that includes, you know, in the case of something like Avengers versus X-Men, you know, shipping overshipping, dramatically overshipping copies of the book um, just so that they can say that they hit the projected numbers that they said they were going to hit. I could be wrong. I, I'm My crazy theory is, is that, that there, they, someone looked at the numbers and realized that they were not going to be hitting their second quarter numbers or third quarter numbers. I don't remember which. Um, or, or maybe, you know, the, the, the numbers for the first half of the year. And in order to make those numbers balance out, they literally cannot print, they can't pay to, they, they are deferring printing the books so that it doesn't fall on that balance sheet. The expenses don't fall on that, that balance sheet. And therefore the numbers of their profit rise up and hit the level that they need it to. I am honestly, that's nuts. Yeah. I mean, that can't be true because mm -hmm. that's nuts. It's nuts, but it sort of explains it because it's, it's, it is absolutely impossible that this other stuff, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's short of that or it is the, like, we, we, you know, we got dinged for, for missing a payment and now we have to pay some sort of weird penalty bonus to our printers because there's literally no reason why some of those books should be late in, in any fashion whatsoever. I can understand. Yeah, there's, there's no reason. There's no, no reason. 
that at all. Like collections should be late. Yeah, except for the fact that they've already collected the money on them, and then if they actually hold off incurring the printing costs for another, you know, whatever it is, it bounces to the next thing. If they're able to rise, raise their profits by like. 10% or whatever to make up for the miserable sales numbers that they had, you know, for, you know, leading up to this quarter. I, I honestly think that, I mean, that sounds crazy and I'm sure anybody with any real business experience would laugh at me, but that's totally what it sounds like to me. It's, it's, it's the only thing I can think of that would make – there's no reason why you would miss printing an alias Jessica Jones omnibus, uh, you know, unless uh, unless arguably you needed it to come out closer to, you know – To the, the, the show. Yeah, but, exactly. But, hang on. What is the date that they've given for that then? Because the show is, is due before the end of the year. Uh-huh. Hang on. What is this uh... – of course, I've I've gone off that page, so I have to. Right, of course. Sorry. Well, but I mean, and it, again, that doesn't necessarily explain the the why Big Thunder Railroad. Like, what? I mean, it just really does. It's it's profoundly, profoundly confusing to me. Oh, guys. it might be. It's 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 slipping to uh, October, so they might be. That might be when the show comes out. Right. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I just ooh. so that's. I mean, that's. To me, that is that list is much bigger news than two promo images of you know all well, new Marvel yesterday or whatever. But but Jeff, it's not because this is new and it's upcoming, and more importantly, it's the story Marvel wants to push. Yes, I am writing uh, for the Hollywood Reporter about the delays mm-hmm. for a story that goes up this weekend. I, as as you know, because I sent you the questions, sent Marvel a list of questions. About the delays, mm-hmm. and got a very polite response back that was pretty much, you know, they're not going to answer this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's not the story that they want to run, mm-hmm. and they don't have to, right? Like Marvel can simply just ignore it. Wow, that's a because because you... people want to uh, stay in business with Marvel mm-hmm. because Marvel is, is the dominant brand and, and so wants to stay in business with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Cause no one wants to be shut off from like, cause, cause the, the number of hits that they get for just trailer images and teaser images and uh, it's, it is amazing. Yeah. That's that's the way it works, and so yeah, it's a massive story. Mm-hmm. Marvel's releases genuinely seem to be falling apart. Wow! But no one's going to report it, right? Right. Like Rich did. I'll be doing a story in Hollywood Reporter, but that's it. Right. Wow. Well, because it because it is a little bit of the um, I don't know maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but part of me is like it's great that there's at least two stories on it, but you know there's it's you 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 would hope that it needs that sustained volley uh, in order to uh, um, shake people into paying attention, and then maybe actually getting it addressed in some ways. You know, it seemed like it was. 
months and months and months of people talking about Marvel's problem with character having characters of color or having female creators in you know to to actually get things to change and but but again they killed those stories as well well right the bigger stories were killed right exactly but it was much more i mean change change came yeah uh, and the story became look at how we've done as opposed to remember all that time where we didn't have any female creators yeah yeah and even now you'll have marvel pushing and dc's guilty of this too pushing Look at the diversity of our characters, as opposed to yeah, we've got one black guy working for us, you guys. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, everyone else is a white guy. We've mm-hmm. got we've got maybe a couple of women writing. You know, we're doing pretty well. Right, right. Look and at us just, go, world. Yeah, it's right. it's. So today for the Hollywood Report, I wrote up pretty much a uh, who is Red Wolf anyway story. Oh wow! Uh, and what is hilarious is Red Wolf had his own series two years after being created. Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, Marvel doing some sort of self-congratulatory, you know, look at us, we've got a Native American solo title. Right. Just be like, yeah, you had that 40 years ago. You had it 40 years ago. Exactly. I I mean, it's an interview with someone who was uh, like, you know, when are you going to think that, that women have made it in comics? Like that diversity is not going to be a thing. And she went, when when they're not just writing female characters. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, when when you've got a woman writing Batman or Superman. Right. That's what made it. And my first thought was honestly, Louise Simonson was doing that in the nineties. Well, I mean that's the thing that you like, then, pointed then it out. Became, mm-hmm. Then yeah, it became weird again. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like Louise Simonson, Devin Grayson was doing it. Gil Simone was was writing action comics for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, at some point it then became so unusual. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I not even like one person doing it made it normal. You know, no, I mean, and Nesenti writing Daredevil, you yeah, know. Simonson writing X-Factor New Mutants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like, th- there was more of a non-ghettoized female creator presence at Marvel in yeah. the 80s yes. than today. Yeah, the, exactly, exactly. What, there's this There's this really weird, uncomfortable fact that in 25 years, or 20 years, the industry backslid as a whole. You know? and, and like massively to the point where mm-hmm. look, we've got a woman writing a woman's solo title is seen as a victory. Yeah. As opposed to this is like this is literally the bare minimum that we could be doing. Yeah. I mean it's not because you know think back to Marvel of what 2012 when it was like no female characters get their own books. Right. 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 Exactly. Not for them. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess is literally the bare minimum <laughs> <that> could do. <laughs> but I don't know. I just it's it's this weird because it is it has become very self congratulatory. You mm-hmm. know, you've got DCU being like, look at the diversity on offer, and I kind of give them a bit of a pass because they're clearly talking about genre and not character. Yes, but they're not talking about characters because. It's kind of a shocking lack of diversity, but you have Marvel going, "Look at the diversity of our characters," Mm -hmm. and it's it's like, "Look, we've got two women who are based on Spider-Man, and now you know we've got a female Wolverine, and look, there's a female Thor. Look at us, yeah, breaking the mold." Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. 
Yeah. yeah, it it's it's a it's really a very um it it is it's funny because hype really does hold sway. And so maybe there is something that is also I think that does add to my guilt of like turning around and be like, This Star Wars book is great, you know, because as you pointed out, it's complete and utter you know, for me that you know, somebody was like you know, sort of like, wow, like I looked at those those uh those numbers for the first couple of issues of Star Wars and holy smokes, like something like Dark Horse must have been kicking themselves that they weren't able to do it that well or something like that. And I'm like, the whole point of Marvel's Star Wars is to make sure that that everyone thinks that this is totally where Star Wars is supposed to be, you know, yes. and I, by I, I, everybody, I mean the people. It, what's that? That was the way it was promoted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's promoted as Star Wars comes home. Star Wars comes home. And, but they did, I mean, again, it was that thing of like, you know, Jason Aaron, John Cassidy, but I mean, just the number of covers alone shows you that Marvel was committed to a certain sales number that they were going to hit come hell or high water. And if something had happened, like somebody had like, um, you know, like all the retailers had like, I don't know, decided to, boycott Jason Aaron because he was found like, I don't know, you know, molesting the Pope or something like I have no doubt that Marvel would have shipped those copies. They would have shipped those copies and they would have claimed those sales, even if it just meant driving, you know, cargo truck after cargo truck after cargo truck into the Hudson Bay. You know, it's, it's... I, I am honestly just like, Jeff, that would never happen because think of the, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying this. Think of the men known for sexually harassing women who are working for Marvel. No, absolutely. That's why I was trying to come up with like it had to be the Pope. Like if he if he molested another man, like no, it's serious. It is it is one of those things of that's the thing that's hilarious, is you would actually get more calls for a boycott if you caught Jason Aaron disrespecting a fictional character. Than if you caught oh, yeah, him, like, sure, sure. actually... Because if you... You know, I'm I'm not going to say anything legally actionable here. <laughs> but there are people at Marvel who are, shall we say, alleged to have done genuinely terrible things. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no one ever talks about it. Right. But people will get really fucking upset mm-hmm. if, you know... The thing isn't doesn't say his catchphrase or something, <laughs> right? Well, you know I mean, like, yeah, yeah. People, people were more upset that Doctor Doom fucking takes off his mask in Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, well, comics, I mean, seriously. Let's put it this way: I don't think there's a lot of pros. There might have been a few, like John Byrne or somebody. But I think, I think that's that's what I find fascinating. I I started wondering if. The level of quasi animosity that 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 was running that seems to have cooled down, but maybe I'm just not paying enough attention to Twitter. But it seemed like there was a period where, you know, fans and creators on social media uh, were being kind of you know um, confrontational. You know, I feel like that may have backed down a little bit, but sometimes I do think that part of the reason why. Um, 
creators can be so quick to dismiss fans or or comic critics even is because there's just that idea of like they the feeling the the feeling that comic book creators especially for the big 2 have a huge plethora of secret stories that they cannot share with anyone else except people in the industry and they know, it's that idea of like they know how the sausage is made and they are so deeply uninterested in the people who come up to them sometimes and are like I don't understand the Wolverine uh my understanding is this always is made with Canadian bacon and always comes with pineapple and the pineapple that you put on this sir is I think a tomato you know like they're just like dude you don't even know like you know we actually had to kill Bill Jameis and shove him into the grinder to get that you know Wolverine sausage out on time you know by the way that is also not legally actionable. Bill Jameis is alive and still doing fine, is my understanding. He's he's making comics again. He's making comics again, which I find hilarious. Um, isn't he? It's like a new line or something, isn't it's it? It's a new line. It's a double take comics or something. And they're doing like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. A lot of Night of the Living Dead comics. Yeah. I was just like, have have fun with that, sir. Yeah, I don't think that that's going to really work out well for him. Uh, Graham McMillan, let's talk more about good comics and less about bad industries. Um, okay, what have you been reading this week, seeing as I've gone on about drawing a quarterly and all, then all the DC books? Uh, you know, and do it quickly, because it's like 145. So. Yeah, I know. No kidding, right? Uh, I also liked um, uh, Squirrel Girl uh, on the – on the. let me jump to my list. Did I get off my – of course I closed my little comics reading list. Um I read I read the first issue of Providence. I'm not really sure that I was crazy about it. I have to tell you. Uh I know this this is this is heartbreaking news for you, Graham, since you're a huge Alan Moore fan. It was it was okay. I might have liked it a little bit more with a different artist. Um Now tell J- me tell me about Providence. Providence is Providence is the first issue by Avatar of a new I'm going to say limited series. Um, by Alan Moore with art by Jason Burroughs that is Moore's investigation into H.P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft, yeah. Yeah, it's his Lovecraft book, essentially. Um, his Unlike his earlier Lovecraft books. Well, his, his earlier Lovecraft books. Is that a continuation books, of, his, of his Lovecraft stuff before? Well, his, his earlier stuff was Cthulhu Mythos stuff. Providence is, is, I assume, going to very specifically be about Lovecraft. Um, the, he appears, love, H.P. Lovecraft, from what I can tell, appears in Providence from a great distance. You never see him in more than, uh, I would say a medium shot or a long shot on maybe four or Three or four pages. The rest of Providence is actually uh, concerns itself with a uh, newspaper reporter for the New York Herald, I think, who uh, basically to come up with a half-page filler story um, when an advertisement gets pulled, ends up going and uh, interviewing a former a 
basically a literary, a Spanish literary critic who is, who has, uh, written a review of a book that, um, supposedly inspired a bunch of people to commit suicide. Um, so that of course has its ties to the Lovecraftian thing. The Spanish doctor who the reporter goes and sees is very much a, um, that sort of mysterious, sinister figure that you find in, um, in, in a Lovecraft story. Uh, mm. but sort of more important for Moore's, um, uh, intents and purposes, the reporter, we, we see a whole bunch of setup about this character who is sort of a cold, aloof professional who has some sort of relationship with, uh, uh, well, this is where the full spoilers seem to, to go on. Let, let's just say that the majority of the issue, you are led to believe that this character is kind of a cold professional fish. And at the end of the story, you realize that he has a very deep, uh, secret life that he is interested in keeping secret. And so essentially the way that Moore is pushing it forward, I believe where he's going to go from here is the idea that, that he's going to, Moore's going to simultaneously use the love, the, the, the idea that the hold of Lovecraft on popular fiction has everything to do with the, the secret subtextual lives of Americans at that point in society and in culture, um, and how essentially Cthulhu stands for, let's say, deviant sexuality, say, but, um, the intrigue with it is from a more, uh, humanistic point of view. In other words, it's a thing that people who are unable to see themselves presented in the society of, you know, the media of America in the 1920s are able to identify with themselves. Um, and yet at the same time, Moore's also going to be able to throw in all your typical, um, Cthulhu-esque shenanigans with secret cults and things. And it looks like Lovecraft at some point will play into that in some way. Um, like I said, kind of, uh, okay. You, I kind of had that feeling of like, especially because there's like long shots of the reporter walking down, you know, a faithfully recreated New York. Um, the, the, to me, it's a little bit like more really is kind of like, I think I, you know, he wants to do for Lovecraft kind of what he did for Jack the Ripper and from hell, which is to say he actually really wants to be able to illuminate the times and say things very important about our time reflected through this looking glass. Mm. But, you know, I think Graham, it is, it is uh, no stretch of the imagination to say that uh, Jason Burroughs is no Eddie Campbell. So yeah, uh, yes, I actually Googled up some preview images while you were talking and that definitely seems like a mismatch uh, between intent and artist. Yeah. Well, it is, it is one of those things where Burroughs is Avatar's most absolutely reliable artist as far as i can tell uh and so and you know seems to work diligently but 
he is he's a pretty bloodless artist um which is hilarious considering if you look at some of his uh covers for crossed that's it's it's practically not an applicable term. Uh, I read... What is very surprising yeah. is you were describing this book, and more than anything, I'm like, it sounds like a Warren Ellis comic. Mm. And I could not tell you why, mm-hmm. but everything you said about it made me think, oh, it's a Warren Ellis comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe because for some reason it seems oddly reminiscent to me of um, Black Cross, his, hmm. his Project Superheroes, uh, Project Superpower book, which I always have trouble remembering the name of because I'm always like, Broadchurch. No, not Broadchurch. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see for me. Um, you know, uh, Ellis has had um, Lovecraft pop up a few times in his work. Lovecraft, the figure himself. And with a relatively refreshing lack of sentimentality. You know, the, the I, I really do adore Lovecraft, but he is a uh, an impressively problematic figure to to put it lightly um he it was a brutal racist uh and um a, a lot of the stuff that comes out of his work make him the more you read about his life uh he's a he is a he is a pitiable figure but he is a very very difficult figure to position in anything um other i think than well, it's he's just not your standard protagonist. So it, it it makes a lot of sense that Moore is going to great lengths to position uh this reporter as sort of a a mm, you know a, a cross as a contrast as a, as a juxtaposition with with Lovecraft as it goes through and possibly a way for Moore to illuminate the things that he thinks in Lovecraft's work are worth appraising i suppose or at least appraising so we'll see but yeah it's it is a it's a it's a mismatched little piece um and kind of dry kind of you know even even by moore's tendency to sort of i think he did a great job at if you read the whole issue you're kind of like huh but he had he has a text piece that is very much a let me spell out Everything that I was thinking in this issue, you know, um, written from the point of view of the main character. So eh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I read The Humans, uh, The Return of the Humans with issue five, which, just like Alan Moore's Providence, uh, is a thoughtful, nuanced piece about, you know, um, ape motorcycle gang in the 70s who are in the process of running an enormous ton of acid from Oakland to Los Angeles and get attacked by other apes. And so it's basically just a lot of amazing ape on ape on motorcycle on storage truck action. Um, I, I think that's a classic story. We, we've all read that one. We've, we, yes, we've, we've all read that one and we've all appreciated it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Absolutely insane over the top. Um, more in the brutal bloodshed sort of thing, which admittedly the humans does very well, but, uh, you know, um, let's just say after some of the previous issues, which have had amazing, amazingly 
weirdo drug-induced imagery um, or imagery that's supposed to feel like, you know, the characters are on, on crazy drug trips. It's, it's, a, it's a grotty little read, and I love it. Uh, Bizarro number one, which I enjoyed quite a lot. Um, minimum wage, so many bad decisions, issue one and two. I picked up issue two and didn't realize that I missed issue one, which, thank God, was only $1.99 on Comixology. So I picked that up, read both of them in a go. I think I've talked to you about minimum wage before. It's a, it's a very, it's also kind of a guilty pleasure, I guess I should say for me. Um, uh, and, um, I think that's it. I think that's really all that I can, I can go into. Cause I'm not going to bore you with stuff like that- outcast or things. Yes. Well, while I would happily normally be bored by outcasts, Jeff. Yeah, you mean, you mean the Robert Kirkman book, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while I would normally be right there with you, yes, uh, you are beginning to go a bit weird in, in the the oral range for the second go for the second time. It seems to be you that's going a bit weird, and not me. That is very strange. That is very strange because because you sound great, which is good for our recording purposes, since I'm the guy doing that. But, but you're um, now sounding a bit like you're underwater. Huh. Okay. Well, Graham, it's been just a hair under two hours. Do you want to jump? And uh, yeah, I, why? Sure. Let's let's. let's or should jump. we not? Shall Was there something shall, that I'm leaving? Yes. No, I, I think I think we're. I think we've we've done a lot. I think we've done enough, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I think the damage is done. I oh, think I think boy. we could all agree that. Yes, definitely. Um, should Should I do my uh, traditional where you can find us? Yes, I think so. Listeners, thank you very much for listening, which is <laughs> the thing that we expect you to do when you're called listeners. We can be found all across the internet. We can be found on our website where we normally do written posts apart from me when I have a ridiculous week. I'm really sorry, everyone. I will try and catch up, I promise. Uh, at com. We are also on Tumblr, which I normally update a lot more than this week. See earlier comments about terrible week. Waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you found us, but we're on there. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Wait What Podcast. We are individually on Twitter. I am at Graham M G R A E M E M, and Jeff is at Lazy Bastard L A Z Y B A S T I D. Uh, we are also a Patreon-supported podcast, which we are remarkably grateful for everyone who has contributed. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash podcast for more information about that, including some details about what those uh, generous and potentially insane people get for their money. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We're super grateful to you people. Um, it's interesting. We've had a couple of patrons drop off. We're, 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 we're losing them. So if there's people who have considered, uh, wanting to contribute to us and are like, oh, they have an army of supporters already, um, believe me, uh, every little bit counts and we are incredibly, um, we, we hopefully try and pay it back to those who, who, uh, support us. Um, but the great part is we'll be back next week for, is it, I guess it's, it's a Baxter a, building. It's a Baxter building, which is going to be pretty exciting. Um, we'll be discussing Jeff loves Baxter buildings, ladies and gentlemen, not I only do. because we are much more focused, but also because I edit them. Yes. Oh my God. You're right. It's like a little, it is, it is true. Also, it's, 
uh, Graham writes wonderful show notes. I, I adore his show notes, and I have to really be better about um, uh, picking That's myself why? up to that level. You're re- you know what it is? You're really good at quoting us directly. You've got, you've got, you'll have actual lines from the podcast, and I'm always like, I should do that instead of like, here's my list of the things that we talk about and cover and blah blah blah. But um, you know, but that totally makes sense when we do a regular weight pod because we talk about so much. Whereas on Baxter Building, we're only talking about like you know at most twelve co- issues of the same series. Right. Right. Is true. Uh, speaking of which, are we covering? Is it issue fifty four through sixty, and then like maybe it an is, annual it's issue fifty four through sixty? And let's slip in. I guess it's annual four. I think that's right. Think yeah, that's I think right. it's annual four. Yeah. yeah. So for so for those of you who hear this, who are like, I want to keep up with these guys uh, in their monumental awe of uh, Jack Kirby and their almost uh, comical dismissal of Stanley. Which, admittedly, that's more my sin than Graham's, at least on the, that last part, I think. But, um. I know, I, I am equally dismissive. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter was like, yeah, those early episodes were practically a drinking game. And I was like, oh boy, well that's. Hopefully we'll be able to get back to that level soon. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, let's <laughs> like, work towards the, uh, the drinking game. <laughs> That would be fabulous. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we will be back next week with that Baxter building. Graham, do you wish to sing us out? No. Oh, oh there was joking. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh god, I've got a sore throat. No, please! <laughs>